Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of On Board, a podcast designed to keep me from going all The Shining while basically being stuck in one place. I'm Dan Klein, and joining me tonight is my friend, colleague, and sometimes business travel partner, Maury Backman. Maury has three young kids and a husband who now has to work from home. Maury, how is your sanity holding up? Not well, Dan, not well. Uh, today, <laughs> at one point, I'm trying to edit a story while my husband's screaming on a conference call while my son is chasing his two sisters around in a new game they like to call coronavirus tag, which, <laughs> which basically involves them running all over the house, taking turns, being the person who so-called, you know, supposedly has the, the virus trying to infect others. So. <laughs> okay, it's clever. Now, have you thought about maybe like a midday bourbon break? Uh, not for you, for the kids? Oh, I was going to say for myself, maybe, you know, um, it's funny because I actually found myself Googling just this morning, is it safe to Benadryl kids for no reason? And um, <laughs> the, the general consensus in the medical community is, is no, no, we don't do that. But to be fair, all of those articles were written prior to this like perpetual quarantine that everyone's subject to. So I think there may be some wiggle room in the medical community in the coming weeks. Let's stay tuned and look that up. Yeah, I've gotten to the uh, look, no, you can't go to your friend's house. You can buy any video game you want, even the ones we normally won't let you play. So, <laughs> so tonight, uh, when I was creating the show, I threw out requests to my friends for what they wanted to talk about. And most of them sent these long, detailed proposals. Maury just said, hey, I want to talk about pet peeves. So I'm going to give him the, uh, give her the floor and let her sort of uh, take it from here and throw out her first pet peeve. And I'll weigh in if it bothers me as well. Okay, well, I'm going to throw out actually, Dan, a few pet peeves that revolve around driving. So I live in the great state of New Jersey where drivers are known to be pretty aggressive, um, but some of the habits that they tend to uphold around here just make no sense to me. So this is pet peeve number one, okay? Pet peeve number one is people who speed up at red lights and slow down at green lights. It's a thing here in New Jersey. So, you know, I'm sure the speeding up at red lights is kind of a universal thing, right? Like you really want to, you want to make that light, right? Because if you, if you don't make that light, I mean, it could just alter the trajectory of your life, you know, like just, it could set this like, you know, a circle of events <laughs> in motion and it could be, so I get the whole like speeding up at red lights thing, but this is really a, a weird phenomenon that's I think unique to, to where I live. I've noticed that people, so our roads are, are a little weird. Uh, we have a lot of these local highways where basically, you know, you're driving 50, 55 miles an hour and all of a sudden you've got a light. So I get that people, you know, I, they don't want to risk running a light or causing an accident, but what people tend to do is they'll be, you know, driving along and they're approaching the light and they're getting closer to the light. And then as they near the light, even though it's still green and there's no indication of it being not green, all of a sudden they'll hit the brakes. And it's like, why? Why? Yeah. So as you know, I lived in New York for a lot of years and, and I actually fairly recently came out to visit you in New Jersey and you forget how unbelievably bad the traffic is and how miserable that makes you. So <laughs> I know that down here in Florida where in general, there's not a ton of traffic because I obviously I don't have a commute. So when I'm driving, it tends to be at times other people are not driving. 
Um, so I'm generally in a good mood in the car. Whereas in New Jersey, I could look and be like, oh, hey, Maury's house is three miles away. Wait, that's 90 minutes? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is going on? So, okay, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's a weird behavior. What is yeah. pet what is the second yeah. part of this? Well, I'll tell you, where I live, it's actually, things are pretty spread out. So no, the, the, the three miles won't take you 90 minutes here. But but yeah, definitely in like some of those like Northern Jersey suburbs closer to Manhattan, you'll definitely get that. And it's like, what? But okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you agree with me. And let's go to pet peeve number two. Um, also a New Jersey thing, possibly, um, but probably not. People who come to a screeching halt on the highway when they see a police officer who's pulled someone over on the side of the road. <laughs> and, and okay, so, so I get it, you know, you don't want to get a ticket, so you know, you, you want to slow down. But I mean, people full on hit the brakes and it's like, number one, the officer is busy. He's got someone. I mean, even, even, if, even if like the guy's finishing up, he's not gonna get you if he's busy dealing with somebody else. That's number one. And number two, people, you can't get a ticket for driving on the road. So like, slow down, sure, but don't stop driving on a <laughs> highway where so, incidentally you've probably been speeding at 85 miles an hour and now all of a sudden you're going 30 and the people behind you are going, oh crap. Yeah, so, so there, there is a, a Florida version of this and it's not quite as extreme but we have the Florida Turnpike. And the Florida Turnpike is a toll road designed to take pressure off 95 where the speed limit is 70. But something feels illegal about going 70. So you can have your cruise control on maybe 70, 71, 72, all speeds you're not gonna get pulled over for because there's always some jerk driving 110 in a car that like sounds like a helicopter taking off. So, so you'll see the police officer, same thing. And you can see him from like seven miles away. This is a wide open road. How, right, any, on it. Yeah. <laughs> how anyone, there's occasionally a Jesus billboard or a mattress billboard, that's it. So you can see the police car. So if you're at 71, yeah, maybe you tick down your cruise control to 70 just so you're technically, but what people do is they slow to 55, even right. though it is a 70 mile per right. hour highway. Right. Right. And, that, and that's what people don't understand. It's like, you're not going to get a ticket for driving the speed limit. Guess what? You're also not going to get a, t a, a ticket if the speed limit is 65 and you're going 67. Because there's no way, you know, that you can't argue that cars are calibrated slightly different so that what an officer clocks in is, you know, at 67 on his radar was 65, you know, on your dashboard. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, listen, the, the thing is, if you're that concerned about getting a ticket, don't speed and, you know, or, or get yeah. ways. I mean, that's the other thing. Do people not know about, about ways? So ways is not a hundred percent. It's just like having a, a radar detector won't a hundred percent protect you from getting, you know, the guys hiding and you don't have time to adjust. Right, so I yeah. Guess. Yeah. I guess, you know what it is? Roads around here. I mean, unless you're driving and like you're the lone car on the road at two in the morning, roads around here are so congested that, if there's a cop hiding and ways didn't pick it up, you're going to get the heads up because you're going to see a sea of brake lights ahead of you. So, I, you know, I've, I've had fun. one speeding ticket in the past 20 years. I was in Daytona beach. We were on vacation. We were on a road like that muscle cars go up and down at 60, 70 miles an hour. The speed limits 35. 
I get pulled over doing 42 and basically it was clear I was a tourist. So they didn't pull right. over any of the locals and I was right on the edge of being rude enough as it was happening to, you know, literally get cuffed because my level of anger that they were bothering me when there were clearly other people right. that were much worse transgressions. And then I had to go through the four hour online traffic school where it's like, first of all, produced in like 1978. It looks like oh, the, the, the film the strips. Hair, you know, yeah. And <laughs> questions pop up. You have to put in like your address and a bunch of other things and it will just ask you things to make sure you're still watching. So <laughs> I'm literally watching Netflix on my phone, answering those questions with one hands because the questions you had to answer were literally like it would show you a stop sign and be like what does this sign mean like, <laughs> right. like no right. person who needs the level of remedial teaching they were doing at this should ever have been in a car uh, right. so what is pet peeve number three <laughs> sorry but when you mention that video it's i'm just thinking i know i'm like pivoting here but i'm just thinking of like you know those um those sexual harassment videos that you have to watch if you you know work for a big company that were also made and like last updated in 1976 you know right. Every, like, everyone has feathered hair like <laughs> it, it's sort of like you're not in the beginning you're not really sure if you're watching a porn video or if it's like or if it's supposed to be educational because there's that music and suave bob with the big feathered hair comes over to sandy whose skirt happens to be like you know halfway up her thigh as she's sitting on her desk answering phones and then you know and the worst thing is the harassment advice is like from 1976. So like, right. sure, don't like pat her on the butt, but also don't tell her like, ooh la la, how do you look? You know, like, <laughs> like it, yeah, that feels like something you should have a modern video for. So exactly. pet exactly. peeve number three. Okay, pet peeve number three. So not quite driving, but parking. So I live in New Jersey where there are a lot of different, you know, big stores and big box stores and strip malls and lots of parking lots. You know, very rarely do you have to struggle to find parking in New Jersey uh, where I live when you want to do some shopping. There's almost always a spot in a parking lot. But what bugs me is when I pull into a relatively empty parking lot with plenty of spots and I take a random spot that's not the best spot, not the closest spot, I tend to take a spot kind of off to the corner, off to the side, maybe back of the lot, because I like space getting out of my, in and out of my car. I, I have kids who I'm getting in and out of a car. And what drives me bonkers is when somebody parks right next to me, <laughs> when there's like 40 or 50 other parking spots in the lot that aren't next to someone. And, and I'm like, why? And, and the thing is, and, and Dan, you're, you, know, you might know this, but other people don't. I drive a minivan and most people who drive a minivan don't do so for fun, right? They, they, you know, not, not, <laughs> it's not a cool car. If you have a minivan, there's a good chance you have kids and that's why you have a minivan. So maybe, just maybe, I need a little extra room to get my kids and my stuff into my car, which is why I parked at the tail end of the lot in the hopes of snagging a little space only to have some weirdo freak park next to me. It's like, why? So in places I visit regularly, 
I always park in the same spot. And even if I'm going to someplace very far away in the same plaza, I always park in the same spot because I have zero parking lot memory. So if it's not like a parking lot with signs where you can take a picture to know where you are, I'll spend like 20 minutes walking around to find my car. So I'll park in like the Northwest corner where there's like a hundred better spaces available, but I have a parking pet peeve too. So I am a pass holder at both Disney and Universal. And you've been to Disney recently. Yeah. When, when you pull into Disney, they direct you into a spot. Right. And sometimes as cars are pulling in, you end up one spot over from where you pull in. And okay, that's not where they wanted you, but they could just direct like the guy one or two after you to pull into the empty space. Instead, right. they stop the whole line and make you back out and pull right. into the right spot. Right, so it basically right. costs everybody like four or five minutes for a problem that would be really easily solved. And right. again, I, I generally think they do a very good job at managing crowds at both of those places. But this just seems like, you know, rubbing your nose in it in a way that like, look, this wasn't my fault. I was making every effort to comply with your parking decision. And, right. you know, and it's not like I like cheated and parked a hundred spots away. I parked right. one spot over from where right. you were because I thought there was one more car or who knows what the reason right. is maybe i need to get a kid out of the car and need a couple of seconds of extra space it just seems like a weird policy but at the times i've ignored them and tried to just get out of the car they act like you've just punched mickey mouse in the face so. exactly and you know what's funny like any, they've got to know that anyone who's going to disney or any of the disney parks is not going to be afraid of walking five extra steps Seeing as how, you know, most of the time when you're in Disney, you probably clock in anywhere from 10 to 20,000 steps a day easily. No one's, no one's kind of trying to pull a fast one over those saved nine steps in the parking lot, you so, know? <laughs> like this. So let me ask if you've had this Disney moment. So I was with mutual friends of ours who, who also have young children. I, I haven't asked to share this story, so I won't share their name. And you know how crowded Disney is. And it was school vacation in the Northeast. So Magic Kingdom was especially crowded and doing everything was stressful. And there was that moment where our mutual friend's wife, you could just see her Disney break. That moment <laughs> where you start muttering, like, it's not worth it. All I want to do is get out of here. The line here is 45 minutes to get a coffee. Like, and I did the sensible thing and grabbed her and tried to find a beer which is of course not possible because we were at the Magic Kingdom, which for oh, some right. reason only serves beer in sit-down restaurants. But fortunately, yeah. just walking, I think we, we got some sort of snack or something sort of reset it. And I, I, I explained to her how much like I'd been with her, one of her kids and he'd really enjoyed like the show at the, at the castle, which is not something, you know, he thought it was a ride. He didn't know that wasn't, you know, too big a deal. So by being there, I diffused the situation. But have you ever had that sort of like Disney stress breakdown? Um, I think like every other hour that I've been in Disney. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, so for me, so Dan, as you know, because you are generous enough to let me stay at your house. Um, we go to Disney in November. So in November, there's, um, in New Jersey, there's a random half week where schools are off. And so a lot of people just kind of take the other half of the week off and they go away and Disney World's a very popular destination. So, uh, you know, you'd think that going in November, it would be like, you know, kind of like moderate climate. But the last two years that I've gone, it's been like 90 degrees every day. 
Yeah, that and, um, <laughs> I mean, Dan, I have memories of, of the two of us kind of like sweating our way across And I was in much worse shape a year ago. So. <laughs> you know? um, so I definitely had those moments in Disney where like, it's hot. There's a lot of people. My kids are whining. They're saying they're hungry, even though they're holding food in their hands. And it's, and it's like a $9 pretzel. Right, exactly, which they don't want anymore after taking a lick of it. And it's like, no, you will eat that. You will eat that. Um, I think I hit my moment in Disney when we were there. Like, it was, it, it, ha it had to have been the first year that we were there. And we were trying to just leave the park um, at the end of, like, you know, a long day and, Obviously, your kids are cranky and you want to go home. And we're trying to leave before the fireworks. Because <laughs> you did not want to battle the crowd after the fireworks. So we're very clearly walking in the opposite direction of the castle where they're going to, you know, set them up. And we had all these people basically trying to, like, block us and stop us from, from going because they were trying to, like, stake their claim to different spots. And they're like, no, 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 you can't stand there. You're going to block us. And it's like, don't you see that we're... we're we're going away from the crowd. We're trying to leave this place. We want to leave. I want to leave. Yeah, and I remember at one point someone was kind of a jerk about it. And I, I turned to the guy, I was like, look, I'm like, do I look like the kind of person who still wants to be here? Do I look <laughs> like I'm trying to steal your viewing spot? Or do I look like I'm trying to wrestle three cranky kids out of this hellhole and into the parking lot? <laughs> you know? so, so I'm yeah. good. I'm going to close the show with, with a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it relates to Disney and Universal. So you know I travel a lot. One of the hardest things about this shutdown is I've already missed a trip to the office where I was going to be there for almost a week. Uh, I had a cruise canceled. I had a convention in Vegas canceled. So three things I was planning to do have already. Um, and a second office trip is already off the books because the office is closed. So there's, there's no real reason to go there, even if things are, are back to normal. But so I... I'm at Disney a lot. We have a house near Disney, as you mentioned earlier, and I cruise fairly regularly. Both of these, for a regular person, I get comped on cruises because I am a casino gambler, and I, I'm a Florida local, so going to Disney is much less expensive for me. But before I went to Disney the first time with my son, the for, first time I went to Universal, before I lived here in Florida, we bought a guidebook, and I knew not everything about the parks, but where the rides were, which park had which ride. The first time I took a cruise, I researched how does it work? What costs extra? What, what's free? What's crowded? When's the best time to do different things? I probably read four or five different books. And I can't tell you how often I've been standing in Universal Studios and someone says, oh, I can't wait to do Star Wars. And the problem is Star Wars is at Disney's Hollywood Studios. <laughs> or when I'm at Disney's Hollywood Studios and someone says, all I want to do is Harry Potter land. <laughs> well, Harry Potter land is at Universal. Or, and this happens, I would say, 200 times on the first day of every cruise. People are absolutely stunned that alcohol is not included. Now... <laughs> I could almost understand thinking that, but from the day you sign up for a cruise, every day thereafter, you get an email trying to sell you the alcohol package and the coffee package and all sorts of other add-ons. So most people book a cruise six, seven months in advance. 
how is it possible that you never opened one email and went, oh, hey, they sell a drink package. I wonder what that means. Right. And then you, <laughs> yeah. you, even see, you even see people who don't know how the dining works. They don't, they don't realize that some of the restaurants cost more. Or at, at Disney, they, they don't know that like sit-down restaurants almost always require reservations well in advance. Or they get to the park, and this is the worst one, and they haven't even looked up fast passes. They have no idea how that works. And they're shocked that they can't get a fast pass to like, you know, the most popular newest ride that day in the park when most people were doing them 60 days out if they're staying on property, 30 days out if they're not. So right. it just seems to me if you're spending, I don't know, $2,000, uh, that's probably what it costs if you're staying at your friend's house, not, not renting a hotel room. Oh, yeah. If you're a family of four or five and you're going for like four or five days easily. Yeah. So you're spending that much money and you can't buy like the unofficial guide to Disney World and go in well, and at least know. You don't, even, you don't even have to buy anything these days. I mean, just Google like Disney planning tips. I mean, you could spend all day reading the free content on navigating your first trip to i mean i didn't do that you know because you gave me some pointers and you know me i i can't like plan every minute of my vacation to to a t so that like with those fast passes i mean we got you know we've we've gotten them every time we've gone to disney and i can tell you that we've given up at least like a quarter of the ones that we booked meaning just it wasn't convenient to stop what we were doing and go somewhere else in the park to get on this ride. So it's like, you know what? Yeah. Well, th well that's well, one of the challenges, you know, um, but, but until, I knew about it, but I knew until about you've that. been to each park multiple times, you don't really understand the geography of it. So you might be all excited. Wow. I got a Thunder Mountain Railroad and a Space Mountain, you know, one after the other, an hour apart. And you don't realize that getting between those two locations is not necessarily simple or at Epcot, maybe you got, Frozen, which is in the way back end of the park, and Soren, which is towards the front of the park, and you don't realize that that's like a 25-minute walk in the best of times. Uh, so, I, I anyway. Think I, did, I think I did that, Dan, the day that you came and met us and we were in Epcot, and I'm pretty sure, thanks to me, you, you, like, we all, like, my family, you, your son, like, I think we all had to, like, at one point, like, haul ass from, like, the ice cream store in France or something, <laughs> you know, like all the way back, right? Yeah. To the, to the big, what's the big, the big just, golf ball yeah, thing? Yeah, to, to Spaceship Earth. Right, that, that like, you know, gets stuck every five feet, you know, <laughs> that big, because my kids thought it was so cool and we actually had a fast pass and we want them to do it, only to then haul all the way back to the World Showcase, right, which is like easily like a 30-minute walk. In between. So that was my rookie mistake, but I figured like, hey, it was, you know, food and wine. Well, I, 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 will close walk off the calories. I will close this episode with sharing my rookie mistake. So the first time we went to Universal, I did all the research and I looked at, you know, my son was maybe 10 at the time. So I right. looked at what was age appropriate. And some things are obvious. The Incredible Hulk's a big, scary looking roller coaster. It's all outside. And as you know, I will ride any ride that doesn't have a drop in it. I don't even like the drop in Pirates of the Caribbean where you're not even wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> so we go on the Jurassic Park River ride. And the first 90% of the ride is like a boat and dinosaurs pop out and it's a little out of date and it's like, you know, kind of cheesy. And then all of a sudden you hear the sound that like the crank up means. And all of a sudden the boat is on a thing going up. 
And the finale of the ride is what my son says is a very mild flume drop, in my opinion, is like being hurled off Everest. So it's only like two and a half seconds, but it was two and a half seconds of me wishing I was never born because I do not in any way like that stomach falling feeling. So now before I ride any ride, I go to YouTube and I watch a POV recording of the ride. So, you know, sometimes that ruins the experience and I I didn't do it for the new Star Wars ride, Rise of the Resistance, but uh, I knew that it wasn't particularly a thrill ride. But in that case, that taught me forever, you know, because I was literally shaking. And it was embarrassing because it's not that big a ride. (laughs) So on that note, Maury, thank you for being here in the second episode. And uh, I look forward to doing this again. Hopefully your uh, listeners won't judge me too much thinking like, wow, she's got some kind of stick up her bum. But, you know, but, but, you know, hey, we all all have our things, people. We all have our things. I think you're being optimistic that by episode two, we have listeners. But (laughs) on that note, for Maury Backman, I am Dan Klein. I will see you tomorrow.